Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our South Shore campus pastor, Hector Rivera, completes our Into the Trenches series with a message titled, In His Presence. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Hey, all right, come on. Come on, can we keep in that adoration and love on our lead pastors, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara Dumas? Come on, we love you, Pastor. God is so good. The fact that we get to share the platform and he entrusts our leadership, our staff, our pastors, our team to preach the gospel to his people, God's people. It's it's humbling to me. Can we kick it back up a notch and love on our campuses, our satellite campuses as well? Come on. South Shore, Plant City, I love y'all. Come on, God is so good. Um, is it okay if I just pray because I'm ready to hear God speak? Is that okay? I'm, I'm, my, is my mic on? I'm going to go ahead and pray. Is that okay with y'all? Because I want to hear God preach. Is that all right? Man, let's get excited about God's word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. Lord, as always, I am humbled that I get to do this. Lord, I, I pray, Father, that uh, as I have studied, I have prayed, Lord, I have fasted, I have sought your counsel many hours spent, Father, I ask, Lord, that I would immediately remove myself, that you would step in and speak through me, that I would be your vessel. That's all I desire. Lord, there's, there's a word here. Use as little, as much, or none of it at all, but that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So we are in a series called Into the Trenches. Now, we've heard some powerful messages from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, and also Pastor Stephen Robles. Now, they've they've talked about the importance of what happens in the trenches and the preparations while in the trenches, and we've also heard the importance of what we need to do while we are in these trenches because we are called to step out of the trenches and engage the enemy in spiritual warfare, right? So... In continuing to try and equip us, today I want to try to talk about, but focus primarily on how it all begins, digging the trenches. The digging of the trenches. I want to talk today about a trench that's dug out by faith in expectancy that God is getting ready to fill it with his presence. You see, when God begins to fill things with his presence, amen, then it changes not us, but those around us and generations to come. Listen to me. It's time to dig out the dirt in order to make room for the presence of God. Oh, I brought my amen with me, amen. I'm I'm good. I brought even in my back pocket a hallelujah. Listen, fasting, as we've been fasting on this 21-day fast, it is a spiritual discipline that helps us dig stuff out. Listen, I'm not talking about just dirt. I'm talking about things that are occupying room that God needs to be present in. It's a spiritual discipline we don't like to do a whole lot. Let Let me try and explain. You see, when, when we talk about trenches and you see in military warfare, you see the armies in these trenches. But let me tell you how it all begins. It begins with a sacrifice. Listen, there, there's people that go out ahead of us and they start digging these foxholes. And they risk their lives 
for the sake of building trenches. There's no time out when it comes to warfare. We don't just say, hey, time out, don't shoot me, don't, I won't shoot back, but from eight to five, we're gonna dig trenches. It doesn't happen this way. You see, somebody goes out and starts digging a foxhole here, and then you go out there and you dig another foxhole there, you dig another foxhole here, another foxhole there, and then they all come together to build the trench. But it starts with the sacrifice. Listen, the enemy doesn't play fair. He's not just after you, he's after your kids. He's after your birthright. Are you willing to be the first shovel in the ground? Are we willing to be the first shovel in the ground, digging the first foxhole, no matter what sacrifice we have to go through, but in expectancy that eventually a trench will be formed that will then host the armies of the true living God? Let me give you a perfect example. Nehemiah's wall, right? They're they're digging, right? They're, 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 They're battling with one hand and then they're building with another hand. What gate have you been placed in? And are we actually holding up that gate? We're the horse gate, spiritual warfare and victory. Nothing comes through this gate or leaves this gate without me knowing it. It starts and stops with me. Does it start and stop with us? It should. Let me try to apply this in the spiritual application. We as God's people are called to sacrifice and lead the path that will by faith take ground back from the enemy that's rightfully ours. You see, when I talk about digging trenches, I'm talking about not just a a, a moment, I'm talking about a lifestyle. Not just a one-off in the beginning of the year, this is awesome, we fast as a corporate, corporately as a church, For 21 days, what happens after Wednesday? We're like, man, thank God we don't got to fast till next year. (laughs) Fasting digs out trenches in prayer and intercession. Fasting digs out prayer, uh, uh, trenches of, of intercession and trenches in fasting, trenches in ministry. You see, we have to dig trenches ahead of time because there is an enemy and the battle is at our front porch. We got to be battle ready. Here's a big idea. The blessings not in the trenches, but in his presence. The blessings not in the trenches, but in his presence. The trenches are where we engage in culture. In culture. We push back the darkness and we battle in the spirit, but the blessing is in his presence. I'm going to give you scripture, amen, so you don't look at me weird. I'm not just going to talk. I'm going to back it up. I'm going to give you about 10 scriptures, amen, out of 2 Kings, the third chapter. Turn with me there. 2 Kings, the third chapter. I'm going to give you about 10 scriptures so that I can really give you good background as to how we dig these trenches. Okay, so stay with me. Listen with me because I'm going to read fast. 2 Kings, the third chapter, verse 1. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he reigned for 12 years. It's talking about two kings. 
Verse 2, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, meaning Jehoram, though not like his father and his mother, for he removed the memorial stone of Baal, which his father had made. Verse 3, nevertheless, he clung, he held on to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, in which he misled Israel. He did not abandon them. Church, can we start by just realizing that this thing is generational? Listen, it's, it's generational. Jehoram was grafted in to the ways of his mom and dad. Let me tell you who his mom and dad was, King Ahab and Jezebel. If you don't know who Jezebel is, she was nasty, mean. You see, she used the authority of the head of the house, Ahab, so that then she can not only run with that authority, the house, but also the kingdom. So everybody sinned. Now, Jehoram wasn't so bad, the Bible says in verse 2. He was not as bad as his mommy and daddy. He was somewhat bad. I, maybe that doesn't make him bad. So he was somewhat bad, the Bible says, because he got rid of the, the monuments of Baal, but he was still holding on to sin. Listen, as leaders, we have to be careful because if we hold on to old nature and old patterns, it continues to the generations to come and those around us then are caused to sin. Church, what are we holding on to that we have no business holding on to? What are we holding on to that's still besetting us? Well, I mean, I don't cuss as bad as I used to. You ever heard somebody say that? I mean, I used to fornicate. I just watch a little porn. It don't, it don't hurt nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Listen, I got to talk about it because we're exposed to it. I'm going to keep going. Amen. Verse 4 through 9. Now, Misha, the king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he used to make tribute payments to the king of Israel, 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. However, when the king Ahab died, the king of Moab broke with the king of Israel. He broke that covenant with them, that treaty. Verse 6, so King Jehoram left Samaria for battle at the time and mustered all of Israel. Then he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has broken away from me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? A wicked king asking a good king for help. And he said, King Jehoshaphat, I will go up. Consider, my, consider me yours. My people is your people. My horses is your horses. Then King Jehoram said, which way shall we go up? Here's the king again of Israel, the wicked king, asking the men of God for direction. And he says, and he answered, we're going to go by the wilderness of Edom. Verse 9, so the king of Israel responded and said, and went with the king of Judah, and then the king of Edom, and they made a circuit for seven days. But there was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. Let me give you a little background. Now there's three kings, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. There's three kings, and it's almost as though all three kings represent a similar parallel in today's society. Let, let me explain. The king of Israel, Jehoram, that's referenced as not so bad, but still bad in my opinion, is a representation of the modern-day church with one foot in and one foot out. One foot in and one foot out, knowing a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Okay? 
And, and, and if you need a reference, go to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, where it says this, lovers of self, gossipers, unloving, lovers of pleasure and money, more so than lovers of God, boastful, reckless, gossipers. You know anybody like that that you know in the church? Not here. Then the king of Edom representing the world, and then the king of Judah, a good king representing the chosen people of God. The tribe of Judah, I'm hoping that's you and me. Three kings that have nothing in common but forced to come together because they have one common enemy. The king of Moab. Church, even though we may not all agree with everything, on everything, and have different views, do we all have one common enemy? I, it doesn't matter if, if, you're, if you're Catholic, if you're Baptist, if you're atheist, if, if you're a heathen like I used to be, right? It doesn't matter. We all have one common enemy. The enemy doesn't care what you believe in, what you don't believe. He wants to take you, your family, your kids, your birthright. There's no, there's no impartiality with the enemy. We all have one common enemy. When are we going to be a unified front? As we present to the seven mountain mandate in the 21-day fast and we influence culture, I believe that we are called to stop looking at differences and what we think fits in order to gain ground on the enemy. You see, because what we're doing is just sitting and doing nothing. We're trying to see if, 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 if you and me align. You're saved, not saved. Okay, no, I can't mess with you because you don't know Jesus. But, but what if we started digging trenches together? What if I said, you know what, I'm going to dig this trench, and you care just as much to dig a trench with me regarding family? What if we started digging trenches in our education and stopped complaining? What if we started digging trenches in government and stopped complaining about presidents and, and government officials? What if we started digging trenches in social media and arts and entertainment and commerce and business? What about religion? Will you be the first shovel in the ground with me? Got quiet. I don't have a shovel. Listen, I play fair and borrow mine. Are we willing to come together with others even if we think they're not where they need to be? This may be a shock to y'all, but I wasn't always saved. I know everybody in here was saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Spirit. You came out of the womb just instead of saying, wow, you said, hallelujah. I lived ungodly. Someone took the time to dig that trench and go past my cussing, my fornication. Oh. Someone dug that trench and said, that man has something God wants to draw out. They dug a trench. You see, we have our focus set only that the only way to influence is by having more converts. I'm not saying that we don't need to lead people to Christ, but what we need to focus is strategically placing disciples that have influence in those mountains so that we can gain ground. You see, you are the light of the world of hope. If you come alongside them, then eventually the truth will expose darkness. And guess what happens when the truth comes forth? People get set free. 
Don't worry about trying to lead them to Christ. I got to lead them to Christ before we get. No, no, no. Start coming alongside them. It's about building relationship. When we start building relationship with people, we come alongside them. God will do the work. You ain't got enough soap in your, in, in, in your backpack to clean somebody up. God's got this. Listen, I'm, by no stretch am I saying we need to agree with, condone with, advocate with. But when the presence of God shows up, people get set free. Amen. It takes but a few church that are willing to sacrifice. A few that are willing to dig the first foxhole, the first shovel in the ground. And you might say, well, pastor, that's, that's, I'm just an army of one. Anybody ever say that? I'm an army of one, you're an army of one, you're an army of one, you're an army of one. You see, God, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, he says that I did not set my love upon you, nor choose you because you were the greatest of all people. I chose you because you were the fewest of all. God can do a whole lot with a little. Will you trust him? Church, the blessings not in the trenches, but in his presence. We are to engage with our culture, push back the darkness, and battle in the spirit. I love that they were wandering for seven days trying to find a puddle of water. I love it. Because God allows us sometimes to go through dry places of impossibility for a chance at opportunity. God will allow us to go through dry places of moments of impossibility for a chance at opportunity. Will we grab a hold of the opportunity God has given us right now? Verse 10. Then the king of Israel said, it is hopeless. Exclamation point. For the Lord has called these three kings to the hand to hand them over to Moab. The king of Israel knows a form of God. He just referenced the Lord. Wicked, one foot in, one foot out. He knows the Lord, but not, not, doesn't know him enough to think that our God will turn us over to the hand of the enemy. Listen to me. There seems to be an illusion called hopelessness that has been spoken over the airwaves. And I'm not saying that the things that are happening are illusions. They're not illusions. But we think that when these things happen, that we're hopeless, like there's nothing we can do. We have images that are now being put out there in the airwaves, and we feel like there's nothing we can do. Here's a female, female, male. Amen. And they got them, they got them for every race, every, I mean, they, we got, we, I mean, we, you can identify But there's no mistake what's being driven. Let me get the other image. Oh, that's a woman with a mustache. A bearded lady, huh? Do we normalize things? Do we normalize things? And these are emojis that are coming out. And you can say, well, you know what? I mean, that man's, you know, he's, his belly's full. He just ate too much. Right? And then we can normalize it. 
I mean, I, listen, I've eaten and my belly doesn't look that way. I don't hold it that way either. Oh, you might be saying, oh, well, pastor, I, you know, you ain't never seen my belly. You see what I just did? I just normalized it. We all laughed. Are we, are we okay? It's an emoji. It's already on Android. It's going to come out on, on Apple here in two minutes. Just, and I, listen, do you remember a time when we used to be able to sit down with our beautiful family, our kids, our wives, and sit down and, and watch the Grammys? Remember we used to, we could sit down and enjoy the Grammys together and not have to deal with the sexual content in songs, things that are sexualized and appropriate, performances that are borderline soft porn? No, 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 but, but, but I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I get it. I mean, even though it's, it's not okay, it's inappropriate for me as an adult, let alone my children, man, I still want to see who, who gets that award, though. So kids, cover your eyes and earmuffs. I still want, I, I want to know who got the award. I mean, and maybe the Grammys aren't for you, that's fine. But boy, we'll watch the halftime show so we don't miss the beginning of the third quarter. You see, it's in their hopelessness that we are to bring hope. I believe that God is looking for sons and daughters that are willing to step out, that are called out of the tribe of Judah, that carry his throne as heirs, that carry the anointing, that will speak truth no matter the circumstance. That's worth the sacrifice. That's putting a shovel on the ground first. I'm not saying, listen, I'm, I'm not telling them to stop. Keep it up. I'm not saying, oh, I wish, how can I put, how can I do this? How can I shelter my kids? No, 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 no. Listen, they have freedom of speech. So do I. So do you. When are we going to be the voice that speaks up? When are we going to engage in battle? I, keep going. When are we going to start? Now let's dig some trenches. Verse, verse 11. But Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Just Jehoshaphat. He, he's got wisdom to say, man, I need to get me some Jesus. And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here. He used to pour water in the hands of Elijah. Now, I don't know about you when you read scripture, but when I read scripture, sometimes I ask God a lot of questions, you know, because, you know, for me, I would have just said, and yeah, Elijah is here. He used to roll with Elijah, which was bad to the bone. So now he's bad to the bone, period. I'm like, God, what are you putting in the man was pouring water in his hands? You know what the Lord said to me? That Elijah had such intimacy with Elijah, such covenant relationship, such oneness that he can pour water in his hands. You know what the Lord said? I wish I had that kind of relationship with you, son. I wish that I was so close to you that I can pour water in your hands. I wish I was so close to you that you would let me wash your feet. Churches, is your relationship with God in such oneness and such covenant relationship, such intimacy that Jesus can wash your feet? 
He's willing, but will you let him? Will you let him wash the dirt off your feet? Verse 12. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. He recognized it immediately. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. You know what's so important here? Don't miss this. You see, it is customary for the prophet to go see about the kings, not the kings to go see about the prophet. You see, but sometimes drastic times take drastic measures. We have to do things that maybe we haven't done before. We have to change the whole protocol if we have to so that we can hear from God. Get up earlier. Fast often. Seek him. Be in your word. Fellowship. We are called to bring godly solution to worldly matters. Jehoshaphat said, I have an idea. Let's inquire the Lord. What if you are the only one that can access God for someone else in intercession? What if you're it and they're seeking God for a breakthrough and you're the one but you're not willing to dig a trench for that person. What if you're the only one? What if we are the only ones that can access God for our nation? What if we are the only ones that can access God for this region? What if we access God together through our time and fasting and prayer to see this pandemic break? What if? I got a shovel, where's yours? All this authority we carry, we're not going to do nothing with it. Sons and daughters of the Most High, are we going to show up and say, man, I was a really cool three to four week into the trenches, Pastor Hector. What's the next one? What? If we want to see change, then the change is going to have to be our lifestyle. It's hopeless. You're out of water. What are we going to do? Listen, the blessings not in the trenches is in his presence. Verse 13 and 14. Now, Elisha said to the king of Israel, what business do you have with me? Elisha tells the wicked king. He says, go back to your father's prophets and your, and your, and your mama's prophets. Taunting him just like Elijah did with Jezebel. But the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to hand them over to Moab. You, you know that as leaders, we got to be careful what we air out. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord of armies lives before whom I stand, if I did not respect Jehoshaphat, the man of God, I would not even look at you or see you. Can I say this? Not everyone that says they're godly lives godly. I know it's not from anybody in here, man. You see, though, the king of Israel was not walking with God. 
right? He was still a king. He was still authority. He was still a leader. But he was living one foot in, one foot out. You see, he threw out the altars of Baal, just like the beginning of the scripture said. But he still clung on to sins that caused a region, a nation to sin. Almost as though he was trying to play the part, look the part. Maybe so Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the good king, would join him. Do you know anybody that like, when they get around folk, like they talk Jesus? But then when you get around another group of people, you talk like, all right, I'm gonna keep going. That's all right, I'm not. They listening, Lord. Can I say something? You, don't get mad. Don't throw nothing at me. Could it be that we are asking God to answer us in prayer because we think we have a relationship with him, but what we really have is a relationship with Sunday morning? Hey, listen, don't get mad at me. God convicted me first. I didn't say you. I said we. I'm part of the congregation too. Even if I took my coat off, you see all kinds of blood stains on me. He cut me first. You know, you know what the problem is? I'm, I'm going to speak on uh, Hector. I'm going to tell on me. We don't like correction. Don't tell me nothing. Who are you? I'm not telling you nothing. God is. I read somewhere. Good book. Open rebuke is better than secret love. I don't know. Nowadays. All right, let me, let me, let me bring some hope. Verse 15. Elijah, now bring me a musician. And it came about when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Listen to me. Do not overlook this. The kings go to inquire of the prophet. And then all of a sudden, right, the king of Israel gets rebuked like nobody's business, right? You're over here playing church. Then the king of Edom, they don't, he don't even have a name. That's how bad, you know, they, they, they reference him in the scriptures. The king of Edom doesn't even jump in. He sees Elisha and he's like, this dude does not play. Then the king of Judah steps in and finds favor, the people of God, finds favor with Elisha, the prophet. And as soon as all this happens, you know what Elisha says? Boy, bring me somebody that can worship. I got to get my worship on. My God. He says, bring me somebody that can worship because I'm about to get my worship on. You know why? Because he knew that in worship, he can shift the atmosphere. All that nonsense. All that nonsense. One somewhat believes, one is lost in the world. There's one that has faith. He's like, all this. He's like, I got to get my worship on. Let me set the atmosphere so I can inquire of the Lord. So he brought the man and they began to worship. You know why he said, let me get my worship on? Because worship is a weapon. Well, if I had some help this morning. Worship is a weapon. Let me prove it to you. Amen. I'll just take you to the Bible. Amen. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. Okay, here we go. So what happened in 1 Samuel 16 chapter when, when King Saul was visited by evil spirits? They said, bring me. I know a guy, a mighty man of valor and war that can also play that harp. And what happened? That demon. The evil spirits left. 
I'll prove it to you again. The people of God, the chosen people of God went through another trench by way of the Red Sea. Remember? They parted the Red Seas. They walked on dry ground. ground, And when they got to the other side, what happened? The prophetess Miriam took out her tambourine and she said, my God, I'm going to create a song. I am going to worship. Oh, y'all didn't read that part. That was after they crossed over. Got to keep reading that thing. They made a song. She pulled out her tambourine and a bunch of other ladies pulled out the tambourine. And they began to worship so much so that they created a song. You know why? Because they knew that that song would carry the generations after them whenever they have to go and part another Red Sea. Oh, worship is a weapon. But you might just be like I used to be. And I used to show up late to church because I... The word, it was in the word. I wanted to hear pastor preach. So I showed up late because I thought worship was insignificant. So I show up late and then getting my message is the word. It was in the word. What if your breakthrough is in the middle of the worship and you just missed out? Oh, come on, pastor. All right, then keep showing up late. Show up late. Service starts at 1050. Skip the 20 minutes. I'm just letting you know. If you want to skip the worship, insignificant, delay 20, be here at 1050. It's in his presence, y'all. It's in his presence. This man inquired of the Lord. He said, I need to set the mood, man. And God spoke. I'll prove it to you. Verse 16 through 20. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley. Circle that. Make this valley full of trenches. For the Lord says this, you will not see wind, nor will you see the rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you will drink, you, your livestock, and your other animals. And this is an insignificant thing in the sight of the Lord. But because God is so good, I added that, he will also give the Moabites into your hand. Then you will strike every fortified city and every choice city and cut down every good tree and stop up all the springs of water and spoil every good plot of the lands with stones. And it happened in the morning about the time of the offering of the sacrifice. Church, if we would offer up a sacrifice, my goodness, It happened at the time of the offering of the sacrifice. Behold, water came down from every direction of Edom, and the country was filled with water. This doesn't make sense to me. I mean, just think about it. Maybe you're thinking it. I sure did. I said, God, this doesn't make sense. You know, church, sometimes it's just not meant to make sense. Things that stretch us in the moment never do. You see, we have to be careful not to get caught up in doing something that we think doesn't make sense and question the preparation and totally miss the blessing. I'm going to say it again. We have to be careful not to get caught up in doing something we think doesn't make sense and then we question God in the preparation and completely miss the blessing. Can you imagine the guy that went out there to give the order? Say, hey, everybody, I got great news. I know it's kind of weird. Usually the prophet comes and sees the kings, but the kings went up to see him. And um, I got great news. I know everybody's thirsty. We've been out here for about a week. Great news. 
No, 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 Billy. They, no, no, they didn't show up with a truck of Sefford Hills and Smart Water. No, 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 no. We got to dig some trenches, y'all. We got to work. Oh, okay, so, so, so did the prophet say it was going to rain? No, 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 Lily. What about from, it was going to come from, no, 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 no. We're just going to have to trust that leadership is hearing from God and that we're going somewhere and we just got to get to digging. Say, what? But I'm thirsty. You see, somebody had to say, I have enough faith to believe in leadership. We got three armies. That's equivalent to this many people. I'm going to need this many shovels. We're in this valley. So that means I need carry the one, 62 trenches, three foot wide, six foot deep, this long. And they strategized. Just like we are doing right now as a body of Christ, strategizing to gain ground in these mountains of influence. Strategizing. So they dug. Have you ever been told by leadership to do something that, uh, you know, you just kind of questioned before? I mean, things like, let's go on a 21-day fast. And instead of the fast, we run fast. <laughs> I'm talking about digging trenches in prayer and intercession. Digging trenches in fasting. Digging trenches in serving. Listen, when you leave out of the campus today in the lobby, you're going to have the opportunity to join and serve and even join a life group. Tell me, how many times are you going to pass by and act like they're not there? Leadership has place this in your path because we want you to get connected and be a part of the unified body so we can take it back to the enemy. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But you see, you think that we're trying to get something from you and the fact is we're trying to get something to you. I serve. Well, you know, it I know it doesn't make sense, I get it. Asking you to fast when you're going through so much. Like this season for me, it was the worst, best season for me to fast. I'm like, man, fasting, now I'm going through so much. Asking you to pray when God hasn't answered the last prayer you threw up there. I get it. Asking you to serve and you ain't got nothing to give. I get it. But are we gonna trust that our leadership has inquired of the Lord and God has spoken and that we're going somewhere? Are we going to trust? The question is, I guess, is who's coming? Who's coming? And if you're coming, let's start digging some trenches. Let's start digging some foxholes. Let's be the first shovel in the ground. Verse 21 and 22, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start landing it, amen, I know you got already ready. Verse 21 and 22, and all the Moabites heard that the, king, the kings had come up to fight against them. All who were able to put on armor older were, and older were, were summoned, and they took their positions on the border. Then they got up early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water, and the Moabites saw the water opposite as red as blood. 
How red was that sun in that region to make the water look like blood, church? Can you imagine? They thought that it was blood. Only God can create such a moment. I'm telling you, worship is a weapon. He didn't just inquire of the Lord. God answered him and moved without telling him how he was going to do it. Verse 23 and 24, they're in this moment. So they said, this is blood. The kings must have fought against each other and they have killed one another. Now the Moabs, let's get that spoil. Listen to me. Are you sick and tired of the enemy taking ground and the spoils from your camp? Are you tired of the enemy taking our spoils? Because if they're taking our spoils, then how are we teaching the next generations to fight to keep theirs? He said, they turned against each other. You know, the enemy has figured out our strategy. You know what that is? They're just going to turn against each other. We turn against each other. You don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. Oh, you're not walking godly. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You know. He's just waiting for us to turn against each other. Verse 24, but when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and, stuck and, and, and struck the Moabites so that they fled from them, and the Israelites invaded the land, killing the Moabites. They not only received the blessing of water they needed, but they also received more than the spoils. You see, by taking over the Moabites, they shifted the generations to come. God said, I'm going to give you your blessing, but I'm also going to give you the spoil. We hope you enjoyed that word from Pastor Hector Rivera. Don't forget you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. We can't wait to worship with you this weekend. For times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.